Thanks for checking out this episode of the Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast. Every Wednesday, my guest and I talk about a movie that we've enjoyed, and during the conversation, we throw in some fun trivia facts. Please like us at facebook.com slash screenfacts. Post your comments or questions or your favorite scenes from the movie. You can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice or email screenfacts at yahoo.com. Joining me on the podcast this week, once again, my good friend Eric Wrights. So happy to be here today. It's uh, great to have you once again, sir. <laughs> You and I are going to discuss a classic sci-fi slash action, almost horror film. Awesome. It's a little bit of everything. Yeah, and it holds up really, really well, all things considered. Oh, yeah. I mean, we just watched it with my kids. They're, mm-hmm. you know, teenagers, 21 and 18, mm-hmm. and uh, if you can believe that. It's amazing. And they loved it. They thought it was awesome. This was the first time they saw it? Max had seen it before, but it was okay. Ben's first time. It was not what he expected. Because, you know, a lot of times the complaints of this younger generation is like, <laughs> they're used to these movies that the scenes are really fast. They mm-hmm. jump from one thing to the other. Mm-hmm. Which ADD. pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, which pisses me I hate movies where the clips are only a couple seconds long. Right. And you don't get to see a scene develop, Right. which I think is what they really enjoyed about it, seeing some of these scenes. Well, why don't we go ahead and say what the movie is first? Oh, yeah. That might help. <laughs> the Terminator. The Terminator. Yes. Or for our Austrian friends, Das Terminator. Okay, of course. Uh, released October 26, 1984. So this movie was directed by James Cameron, mm-hmm. but he's also one of the writers in addition to Gail Ann Hurd, who mm-hmm. was his wife at the time. They got married after he sold her the script. It's... Weird, too, because then they got divorced just a few years later. Yeah. and then, He's not really good in the relationship department. I don't think so, because then he did marry Linda Hamilton. Eventually, yeah. Then they got they divorced. They got divorced. She was number four. And, yeah, and then he ended up getting married to um, one of his actresses from Titanic, too. Oh, really? Yeah. The, oh the redhead. Gosh. The girl that plays old lady Rose's granddaughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. All I right. can't remember the actress's name no. now. No idea. But yeah, so uh, William Wisher Jr. also uh, is credited for additional dialogue as far as the writing goes. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, and Michael Bean. One of the other guys in the movie who played the other Terminator mm-hmm. that we see briefly, mm-hmm. you know, he was also a weightlifter, bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. He, was, he and Arnie were like really good friends mm-hmm. and actually... They had competed against each other. I believe you're talking about Franco Colombo. Franco Colombo. Yes. Yes, he discovered America. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think you're confusing him with somebody else. But uh, but he's Italian. (laughs) Yeah. He was actually like Arnold's best man when he married Shriver. One other thing I wanted to mention about the credits for this movie, Gail Ann Hurd was also Mm -hmm. one of the producers of the movie. And you mentioned Mm -hmm. that uh, that James Cameron sold her the script. Right. He sold the initial draft for a dollar. This is another one of those great Hollywood stories of a guy really betting on himself. Right, absolutely. You know, this was like his baby, his project, Mm -hmm. and he didn't want to let somebody else direct it. He wrote it, and he wanted to direct it, and the studio was against that initially. Right. I mean, that's basically why he gave the script away, so that he could keep control. Right. I guess that's kind of like a Stallone kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, with Rocky. Yeah, one of the things I thought was pretty cool, when he was trying to pitch this, Lance Henriksen, they were friends. Mm -hmm. So apparently... This small studio, Hemdale Pictures, mm-hmm. got a copy of the script. This guy, John Day, was interested, so he called in Cameron. So the idea at that time, Cameron wanted to use Lance as the Terminator because he thought the Terminator should be something or somebody or whatever that could just blend into right. you know, the regular population. Right. So he had Lance kind of dressed to, as up. As opposed to a gigantic bodybuilder guy. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he had Lance you know, be... 
just dressed up in like a ripped shirt and, you know, jeans and big boots. You know, inside uh, cigarette little boxes, they've mm-hmm. got the foil paper. Mm-hmm. So he put that foil paper over his teeth. <laughs> and okay. then apparently he knocked the door in and uh, <laughs> they did their pitch and John loved it. Okay. See, now I read that he never intended to have Lance be the star of the movie. Right. He just kind of used him as the pitch guy. I think he wanted to have a guy that looked mm-hmm. like everybody else that kind of would blend in. Yeah. And originally they had considered O.J. Simpson as a Terminator. As the Terminator. Yeah. And ironically, they decided against O.J. because they thought he was too nice and, and wouldn't really sell as a killer. Right. No, definitely not. At that time, O.J. was known for like those Hertz commercials. Right. He wasn't known for double murder back then. Right, right. Well, <laughs> and now I also read, though, that you know, Cameron, the idea of Arnie was brought to him and mm-hmm. he was not into yeah. the idea. Of Arnie having... was actually suggested by the head of the, the film company, the film okay. studio, uh, Michael Metavoy. When he was forced to meet with Arnold. He went in with the idea that, man, I'm going to pick a fight with this guy, and that way I can come back to the studio and just say, you know, Schwarzenegger's not going to work out. Yeah. But he said he sat down with him, and he really liked what Arnold had to say Mm -hmm. about what the Terminator really should be. And, of course, now, to us, it it only makes sense that the Terminator should be a huge muscle-bound, scary machine. Yeah, but you know what's funny is that in the second movie, which we're not going to get into too much now because Mm -hmm. you and I are going to do a podcast for T2 down the road a little bit. Oh, we are? I'd like to. I'd like to. Okay. Okay, because I mean, I figured it's definitely worth discussing Terminator 2. I think, yeah, well, we'll talk more. I'll send you my contract and we can go over (laughs) the particulars. I want no green (laughs) M&Ms. Very good. But yeah, I mean, originally, some of the stuff that ended up in the second movie was supposed to be in this movie, well, yeah. but because they had no budget and no time, yeah. and, and special effects weren't what they became you know, right. later, they couldn't do a lot of the stuff, like Which the liquid is, metal and all that stuff. Right. And those were, yeah, and those were things that he did want to do, or he mm-hmm. thought about having, oh, it would be great if two Terminators could fight in the liquid metal, right. like you say, but- And um, I was going to say- And it was only a $6 million budget. Right. You know, $6.4 The movie actually did pretty well, despite mm-hmm. the fact that the studio really- Really didn't promote it that well. Which pissed off Arnold. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he still brings it up that, you know, what yeah. the hell is wrong with Orion? They wouldn't put the movie out. <laughs> so it grossed $38.3 million domestically and a total of $78.3 million worldwide. So, I mean, you know, for a little $6.4 million movie, they couldn't do a lot. I mean, they really had a... Oh, yeah. They cut corners. They cut corners, yeah. So while Arnold was filming Conan, the second one... Mm-hmm. He was being interviewed, and the interviewer asked him, well, do you have another project in the works? And Arnold's like, well, yeah, some shit little movie's coming up. He literally said it that way? Yeah. Wow. So can you believe it's like, and dude, at this point, your biggest thing is Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Not that great. Listen, nobody ever accused Arnold Schwarzenegger of not having confidence. You know, the guy has always been a winner, you know? Oh, sure. He knew that he was bankable. That doesn't mean he should be an asshole. But, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, but the beginning of production for this movie was actually postponed for nine months because right. Arnold was committed to Conan the Destroyer, the sequel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, James Cameron wanted to work, but he didn't have time to do a whole other movie. Right. So instead, he wrote something. Mm-hmm. And what he ended up writing was right. Aliens. Yeah. The sequel to Alien. Now, I also read that he had done Rambo, too. I'm not sure of the exact timeline, but yes, James Cameron did write the screenplay with Sylvester Stallone for First Blood Part Two. While we're talking about writers, the movie now, not in the theater release, but now if you rent or whatever, you'll see at the beginning, 
There's special credits given to Harlan Ellison. And okay. Harlan Ellison, for any you know sci-fi buff, he's like a huge creative force. He did do some writing in a little show called The Twilight Zone. Oh, okay. He also wrote some Star Trek episodes. Okay. And then I think it was the main writer or creator of The Outer Limits. Okay. Cameron supposedly was interviewed and had said that, oh yeah, I got this idea. There's different stories. He got the idea from Terminator from like a nightmare he had. Okay. That's one thing he said. Right. But then apparently he's also said, yeah, I stole some shit from the Outer Limits. Wow. So he actually admitted to lifting a concept. According to this writer. And Harlan, he sued the studio and everything. That's why those credits appear. I mean, you know, you could be inspired by something and then take it to a whole new level. Right. And this is a perfect opportunity for me to make a reference to Kiss. Because, you know, Kiss wasn't the first rock act to put makeup on. Absolutely. You know, there were the New York Dolls, there was Alice Cooper, but they Mm -hmm. were very different. Kiss took what they did to a whole different level. Mm -hmm. And I think if there's any influence of this stuff from Outer Limits on the Terminator, it's probably like maybe uh, the genesis of what became, and no pun intended, what became Cameron's vision. I just figure you have to go into Ellison a little bit. Yeah, no, I think, you know, it's it's cool certainly to, to talk about him. But Cameron has proven time and time again how creative and brilliant mm-hmm. he is. So to, to try to, you know, discount him as just a thief of an idea. Right, come right. On. Yeah, basically Cameron just says that Ellison is a parasite that can kiss my ass. Okay, fair so enough. There you go. <laughs> so let's get back to this movie. So Arnold yes. Schwarzenegger, say what you will about Arnold Schwarzenegger as an actor. He's not a guy that's going to compete with a De Niro or a Pacino. He's not that kind of an actor. But one of the things I read that I was very impressed by was that he worked with guns every day for a month mm-hmm. to prepare for this. Mm-hmm. The first two weeks of filming, he practiced weapons stripping and reassembly right. blindfolded because ah. he wanted everything to be kind of automatic. Yeah. Like a machine, because the Terminator shouldn't have to think. It shouldn't. He shouldn't exactly. have to look at what he's doing when he's loading a weapon or anything like that. And then he also worked at a shooting range, practicing so that he wouldn't blink mm-hmm. when he was firing the gun. Again, to look more machine-like. Right. Soldier of Fortune magazine complimented Schwarzenegger for yeah. how realistic he handled guns on screen, because most right. of the time, that magazine in particular thinks that when they show people handling guns, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And he did look very natural with it, if we he can did. say that about a machine. Yeah. Um, and the way he was just very matter of fact. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Arnold, yes, not a great actor at the time. I mean, he's gotten better. But, yeah, um, yeah he just the way he was able to just keep a very robotic machine mm-hmm. type demeanor, if you can use that word right. for robots, throughout the whole movie, I really liked when we hear, um, you know, Sarah's answer machine. He says, "Hello, we're not home right now. Mm-hmm. Ha ha, you reached the machine, but leave yeah. a message because machines need love too." Like, <laughs> no, they don't, and that's what's so cool about this movie. You just see that no. Yeah. It feels no pity. It feels no remorse. Mm-hmm. It will not stop until she's dead. And you're right. like watching this movie and like, holy crap. I was, I think, 19 when I watched it. Yeah. And when Reese is ranting at the police station, mm-hmm. staring at you the, know, camera. the camera yeah. and just screaming that, yo, he will not die. He will not rest until she's dead. And you're like, oh, my God, this is real. Yeah. And then he's really good in the movie, too. Oh, he was Michael fantastic. Michael fantastic. You know who else they were considering for that part? No. Sting. No way. Which I think he might have been okay. He did Dune a couple of years later, I think. It was Dune before this. Yeah, I think so. I think Dune was later. Reese, I thought was really good. Linda, she's she's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She was great. She was like the perfect, I like looking because she was like, 
you know, the cute girl next door. She wasn't some kind of drop-dead model. The 80s hair is the best. I, I loved her hair. <laughs> it's so cool. I still like it. I liked it then. It's kind of interesting how Reese has always been attracted to her from the photograph. Yeah, and you know that leads to... For me, one of the best love scenes in any kind of movie. Yeah, you know, not just because this wasn't just you know a dopey love scene, just a gratuitous right titillating right uh, <laughs> love scene. You know, there was a there was a real reason for it, mm-hmm. and yes, we did get to see some boobage, <laughs> but you that's know, you okay would be disappointed if we didn't if say boobage. Right. So, especially when there was, but it was done well. It was such a powerful scene. Yeah, and. When he says to her, before they actually get busy, <laughs> when he says to her, Sarah, I've traveled across time for you. Yeah. I love you. I've always loved you. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I think even I would have sex with them at that point, <laughs> you know? Or even like Elmer Fudd could say that to Mila Kunis and, and he'd get lucky. Plus he's a good looking guy, so it helps out. But there was a little foreshadowing because, you know, earlier on she's asking, well, why don't you tell me a little bit about my son? And he says... Well, he's about my height. (laughs) Okay. Strangely, he looks like me, Sarah. Yeah. (laughs) But if we're talking a little foreshadowing, I I think there's some really fun stuff in there, too. Early in the movie, when Arnold is hunting down, I guess, the first Sarah Connor, Mm -hmm. he runs over a toy truck. Yes. How awesome is that? Very cool. I love that because then he gets run over by a real truck later on. Yeah, and and from what I read, it's the same... Model truck. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I thought another good foreshadowing is um, when Reese is uh, dreaming. He's back in his own world fighting and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. then when he wakes up, you know, and he startles himself. Mm-hmm. And you see how quickly he pumps the gun? Yep. It's that like was instinct. so cool. Yeah, it's I love That detail was great. I thought another great detail was in his future dream, like when they come back from patrol and they walk in, mm-hmm. when they sign the little sign-in sheet, mm-hmm. the pencil's like, you know, an inch or two long. I thought that was a great detail. The, the, that's the thing you know? about Cameron. He's a, the attention to detail. Yeah. Absolutely. So the laser sight on the 45 long slide was mm-hmm. specially built by Laser Products Corporation. It's now called Shorefire. Mm-hmm. Laser sighting was pretty much in its infancy right. when this movie was made. And what we saw on the gun that Arnold uses wasn't actually a complete assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, the battery packs that they used to power the laser. They were like the size of a TV remote. And that would have looked really kind of, I guess, weird on the gun. Yeah, yeah. So they hit it and ran a wire under Arnold's sleeve. There's the one scene when Arnold's buying all the guns. He asks for something with like... A laser-sighted, guided gun, and the owner's like... So so something plasma rifle, yeah, right. something plasma like that. Rifle yeah, plasma with, with radar, dog, dog, and the guy's like, just, just what what's you in see. the store. <laughs> yeah, just what you see. <laughs> just what you see. That's and, that's, and that's an interesting thing, too, the sign of the times. And, mm-hmm. and maybe it was the case back in the 80s. I mean, I can't imagine now you walk into a gun shop and there's shells on the on counter. On the counter, top. right. Yeah, I mean, that would be crazy. The fact that then he just loads the gun, mm-hmm. and the guy's like, oh, you can't do that in here. He's like, wrong. <laughs> Blows him away. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think of the special effects? I mean, keep in mind, they had no budget. It's the mid-80s. I think they hold up pretty well. I guess you could kind of pick apart when Arnie is fixing, well, taking his eye out. The puppet, like, you mean? Right. It's like, all right, I that's thought, a puppet head. Let me tell you but something. holy cow. That was still, that's amazing to me to this day. Yeah. Because you got to remember, like, the, the creativity and, and the work that went into make that look as realistic oh, yeah. as they possibly could. Mm-hmm. Now, again, nowadays, they would just do it digitally. And it's, and, right. you know, and it would be pretty much seamless. Yeah. But for 1984, mm-hmm. with no budget, to be able to make it convincingly look like Arnold right. is cutting out his own eye yeah. is amazing. And 
and again, my kids watching it mm-hmm. were like, oh, my God, it's so gross. Yeah. And because it, it was good enough. Yeah. yeah. The you know it's moved, not really his head. The head moved a little, you know, yeah, robotically. It's a little, it's a little antiquated, but but at the same time, yeah. When you think about how much money they had, well, making that head probably was half the budget. <laughs> yeah, it probably was. It took him six months to create the puppet of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow. Do so you ever notice that after he takes the eye out uh-huh. and he puts the glasses, the sunglasses on, yeah. for a second. He checks his hair. Why? I I I, lo- I think I that think was that just was done purely per- uh, being tongue in cheek. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe uh, he wanted to make you know look presentable in some way, or so, so actually, he wouldn't bl- he would blend in more or something. Actually, what I'm just thinking now is he's a robot, mm-hmm. everything in its place. So maybe that's all it was. Yeah, he was maybe. just checking his hair. That yeah, that's yes, true. it's where it should be. But first time I noticed that, I'm like, ah, he's checking himself out. And that's the, the great thing about rewatching a movie like this, too. You start to realize things that you may have sort of mm-hmm. glossed over. In the scene that preceded that, you know, with the big car chase, when he slams into the, know, wall, the wall, yeah. mm-hmm. all the police show up. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, watching the movie the first time, it's like, oh, my God, is he going to come out and kill all the cops? <laughs> I'm like, why would he leave? He's there to kill Sarah. Yeah, but he doesn't have qualms killing anybody around. I'm thinking he went back because he was damaged. Oh, okay. You know, I, that's the only thing I can, you know, reason. But, but when he was gone, it was like, oh, that's great. And then when we see the scene, why? So, I mean, I'm yeah. glad they did it that way. Well, plus I think it makes sense for moving the story along too, because oh, if absolutely. he just like starts shooting up all the cops, then he's going to have a free shot at Sarah and, and Reese. Yeah. Well, we can't do a podcast about the Terminator without talking about the most iconic line, I'll be back. I read something that he <laughs> wanted to say, I will be back. Right, because he thought that was more robotic. I think it should have been, I will be back. It's interesting. That was like the only thing that they disagreed on, Schwarzenegger and, and Cameron, during the filming. Mm-hmm. He wanted to say, I will be back. He thought it was more machine-like, and he thought it was actually more masculine, too, to say it that way, yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah, I can see that. Cameron said, look, I don't tell you how to act. Don't tell me how to write. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, Cameron was swayed by Arnold, apparently, to have the Terminator be this big, imposing character, as mm-hmm. opposed to just someone that would blend in. In that scene, I really loved how, you know, when Terminator's standing there at the counter mm-hmm. and the cop's just blowing off. Yeah, she's gotta uh, come. giving a statement. You can wait over there if you want. Right. He just kind of ignores him. And then he's he like just, assessing. Right. He scans mm-hmm. that structure yep. and everything. You can just be like, and I remember watching the first time. It's like, oh, he's planning something. Oh, yeah, something bad's going you down. You just know. <laughs> and I don't know if it would have been any better because I really, really liked when they would shoot his assessment, like the the red screen with mm-hmm. all the... Yeah, like everything. all the digital stuff. It would have been neat if they did something there, but yeah. not a big deal. Probably wasn't in the budget, is my guess. Maybe not, yeah. It's like, all right, we can only do three computer screen yeah, simulations. seriously. I mean, you know. Yeah. That effect is better used when he responds to the guy, what do you got in there, a dead cat or something? Like yeah. that's And that's kind of funny, yeah, the different... Uh, the different response. Yeah, yeah, and then appropriate response. Fuck, Fuck you, asshole. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and right before he comes in, you know, the other cop... They have Sarah, mm-hmm. and he's saying, look, you're safe here. 30 cops here. 30 cops here. Mm. Really? <laughs> and when, if you start counting, as soon as Arnold comes in mm. and kills that first guy, mm-hmm. and you start counting down, and in college, I watched this in college too. Does he actually kill 30 you cops? You count. We all started counting down. He comes through, smashes the first guy. 29! 28! <laughs> and the whole crowd, the whole crowd in the movie theater were counting down. No way. So anytime, I mean, there's a couple little nebulous because it's yeah. like, all right, he's shooting just through doors and stuff. Right. But if you count those, yeah. you come down 
to 30. It's pretty complete. amazing. It's all, Like it was, I said, Cameron, Cameron's attention to detail, right? Yeah, and I'm glad it worked that way. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I like that the building number of the gun store, mm-hmm. 14329, is also the house number of the first Sarah Connor that he shoots. Oh, really? Yeah, it's another thing to look for next time oh, you watch the movie. Neat. Also, they built the another detail thing we're talking about, how with the skeleton they made, mm-hmm. that thing weighed over 100 pounds. Yeah, because they actually used metal. Yeah, <laughs> and they were supposedly, it was going to be either a guy wearing it or they were going to try to almost make it like a marionette. Yeah. And it's like, you, you can't have a 100-pound marionette. It's interesting because the scenes with the skeleton, right? there's certain scenes where it's full body and it's walking that are clearly animated in right, some way. Clearly, clearly. Right, clearly. And the animation is, when you look at it now, it looks a little cheesy, but it's still mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, because you're still like, oh my God, look how close he is. And then there's scenes- Shut the door, Sarah! Yeah, and then there's scenes- where you see the, the skeleton. It's the actual. And you could tell that it's a model because mm-hmm. it's like maybe from the waist up. Right. Sort yep. of thing. Mm-hmm. That's, again, nobody had done this kind of stuff. But that robot, it had a limp once we finally see the whole thing. Yeah. You know, it was come after, out of the wreckage. Yeah. It was after uh, it was he like, gets run over by the truck. Right. But Cameron didn't like the way the puppet moved. So that's why they added the limp. Oh, okay. Which is like, all right, well, that makes sense because, I mean, the thing was just kind of blown up yeah. and smashed well they and show that the robot sort of has an achilles tendon like yeah. thing mm-hmm. and it's disconnected and it's disconnected that's why he's limping oh it's fantastic yeah, it's great yeah great stuff i thought it was brilliant that what takes out the terminator another machine another machine yeah you know yes it had to be operated by a human mm-hmm. so then you can get into oh well you know machines always need a human around and all that That makes sense though that it's Absolutely. that it's a, a human activated machine that right. takes out the the terminator yeah the final scene where the compactor crushes mm-hmm. the terminator and you see the eye just fade just out fade out and there's all that smoke around it cigarette smoke used for that effect cigarette smoke there was literally a guy blowing cigarette smoke <laughs> into the scene that's brilliant yeah they did a lot of guerrilla filming on this movie too where they didn't have permits for certain shots and they just kind of like, you know, got the cameras and went out there and got the shot that they needed. And there were a couple times that the cops came oh, really? and said, hey, do you have permits? And uh, one of the producers was like, uh, you know, we're almost done here. This is for my son's film school project. <laughs> no way, really. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh. And by the way, that's why most of the film takes place at night because they oh. were able to be more discreet in filming yeah, yeah. than during the day. And if they didn't want to have to worry about c- going through a lot of red tape and all that mm-hmm. to be able to film... By filming at night, they avoided that. Oh. Well, yeah, so that's go. why most of the movie takes place at night as well. Oh, all right. Yeah. The um, Something I read, and I'm so glad they didn't do this, I think the studio was saying the movie should end when he collapses after the truck explodes. What? Can you imagine? No. How can that end? You can't end it that way. Yeah, that was one of the things that, that um, Cameron fought with the, the studio over. Okay. And that was good. That, I'm glad he did. That's probably why they didn't support the film as much as they probably would have if they <laughs> determined how it ended. Wow. I mean, that would have been terrible. It would have been terrible because when you're watching it, you're waiting for it to come out of the fire. That had to happen. I mean, you're expecting it because this thing... This Terminator has been shot mm-hmm. and run over, mm-hmm. has yeah. just been mangled and mangled, and he kept coming back. Yep. It's like, he can't if, if die that way. If there's any argument for the studio's point of view of why they wanted it to end there, yeah. it's that, you know, maybe they felt like it was it was becoming ridiculous, you know, that mm-hmm. he just doesn't die. But that's right. the whole point. You could blow him up in a truck, he gets yeah. up. Yeah. You could put a stick of dynamite or homemade dynamite or whatever into his chassis. He blows into a pieces, but the pieces still come the after pieces, you. Right. Well, and that was that was and and a great thing right about that scene, by the way. Yeah. 
which which is so cool. Another detail thing. This is when they're in the they're uh, in the the robot factory. Right. Reese puts the the the, the pipe bomb the pipe right. bomb right into him, blows him up. Yeah. It ends up killing Reese. You know, yeah. Sarah goes over by Reese's body, yeah. and then all of a sudden, the torso yes. of the Terminator sits up. You're like, what? Yeah, yeah. No. But but the greatest thing about it is that the torso comes after Sarah, but crawls over Reese's dead body yes. to get to her. So yes. cool. And, so cool. And they do it so well because as he's crawling over, yeah. everything that would be like human entrails right. and right. muscles and stuff are all just dragging behind the body. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my God, that's so great. Very cool. Again, yes. the details. Brilliant details. Did you know that there's sort of a connection to Pee-wee's Big Adventure in this movie? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, sir. We actually talked about it in that podcast. We did the uh, right. Pee-wee's Big Adventure podcast. Yeah, yeah. The restaurant that Sarah works at is like right down the oh, road from Pee-wee's house. From the house. Yeah, the, oh, the location. That's, that's cool. So there's a couple of other little details um, that I just wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. That happened in the movie that you can look for next time you watch it that maybe you weren't aware. So okay. near the beginning of the movie, when Sarah receives the message on the answering machine, the guy breaking the date, the voice on the machine is James Cameron okay. breaking the date, which I think is kind of cool. All right. Save some money there. Yeah. Didn't have to hire anybody. Right. And then, you know, we mentioned, of course, years later in real life, he marries Linda Hamilton. So yeah. it's kind of funny. Yeah. Another cool thing, and this is mm-hmm. not in the movie, but it's an interesting little fact. Okay. The Terminator is the only character to be listed in the American Film Institute's 100 Heroes and Villains as both a villain for this movie okay, and yeah. a hero for Terminator oh, for 2. Yeah. Wow. Al Pacino and Arnold Schwarzenegger are the only two actors to be on the list as playing a villain and a hero. But Pacino okay. played two different characters. Well, here, help me with this one. Because I read that Henriksen, okay, him and Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. Who is Bill Paxton? In this movie? Yeah. He was one of the punks in the beginning with the, the oh. telescope. Oh, okay. Those two mm-hmm. are the only actors to be killed by a Terminator, a Xenomorph, meaning alien, alien. Uh-huh. and a Predator. Wow. That's very Was cool. Was that pretty nifty? That's very cool. So only two guys killed by all three. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so, an interesting career. You know, we talk about how good Michael Bean is in this movie as Reese. Yeah. He almost yeah. didn't get the role. He came into his first audition mm-hmm. uh, with a Southern accent because he was working on trying to get a part for a stage production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. His agent was like, what accent? He's from Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. His agent talked to the producers and they got him another audition and then and, and obviously he crushed it. But yeah. Very interesting, though. That's How did This movie would have been very different without him, you know, because yeah. he's, he's so good. A hydraulic arm was mm-hmm. used when the Terminator punches through the windshield. They rehearsed it a couple of times, too, because they knew that uh, Schwarzenegger's face was going to be in the shot as well. So they wanted right. to make sure they, they had the timing and everything down so it wouldn't look like a hydraulic arm, obviously. Sure. So the only time that Reese and the Terminator are in the same frame together mm-hmm. is when he shoots him in Tech Noir. The club was actually mm-hmm. built specifically for the movie, and okay. they actually had to turn people away while they were filming who thought it was a real club. <laughs> <laughs> it's a jewelry store now, by the way, if you're wondering. The car chase scenes, they were shot at normal speed and then sped up slightly. So when you're watching the movie, yeah. if you look, I mean, you could kind of tell. Sometimes you can kind of tell. But it adds a little bit more intensity to those scenes. Oh, no doubt. Chases. Well, I think, didn't they, they did some other stuff, like either they were like passing yeah. lights or like mixing lights to make it look like you know they were going faster than they really were. Yeah, they had other cars ride alongside of them out of frame oh, okay. with, with revolving lights. Well, that would do it. So the Terminator. The Terminator. 
Still great. Absolutely. And uh, honestly, I'm very excited to watch T2 again and discuss that with you. Yeah, totally. I'm completely thrilled. Coming soon. All right. Well, Eric, I appreciate you taking the time to come in. You know I love it. Well, thanks for listening. We appreciate it as always. And don't forget, if you want to uh, comment, if you have any questions, if you have a favorite scene you want to tell us about, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash screenfacts. And you can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. You can email ScreenFacts at Yahoo.com. You can order ScreenFacts merchandise on the podcast page of JasonDavisVoice.com. One of the new things that we have available, if you want to check them out, are the new car magnets. They're about the size of a postcard, and it's a great way to show your support for the show and let other people know about it. Show theme music by AudioNautics.com. And thanks to our announcer, Kim McKay from Kim'sVoice.com. We'll be back. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.